Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. You're going to Romans chapter four, uh, Romans chapter eight, please. Romans chapter eight, beginning in verse fourteen. We'll go there in just a minute. Romans chapter eight. We are on the sixteenth part of our series on my sheep hear my voice. Aren't you glad to know that we have the ability to hear the voice of our good shepherd Jesus, and He will lead us through this life? You cannot ever describe a time in anybody's life when they have been led of the Lord that they failed. You cannot describe a time of anybody's life who was following God's leadership, God's leading, God's direction for their life that they in in any way walked in defeat. Never happened. Never happened. You and I have the privilege to know we can walk in victory day in and day out. We can walk in God's plan day in and day out. But it's a decision we make. God will not force us to do it, but he gives us the opportunity. He gives us the privilege to be able to walk us through this life. Aren't you glad? I said, aren't you glad? Before I get to Romans 8, I'm going to quote to you our key verse, John 10, 27, that started this whole series, and I'm going to read it to you from the voice translation. Just just listen. I'm I'm not going to have you turn there. I want you to be in Romans 8. John 10, 27, my sheep respond as they hear my voice. My sheep respond as they what? Hear my voice. I know them intimately and they follow me. How many of you want to have Jesus know you intimately and you follow him? What a powerful promise. What a powerful promise. My sheep respond as they do what? Hear my voice. And I know them intimately and they do what? They follow me. If you want Jesus to know you intimately and therefore you know him intimately, guess what you got to do? Learn to follow his voice. And we can. It's a choice we got to choose as to whether or not we want God to help lead us through this life or whether we don't. Whether we want God to help us with the decisions of life or whether we don't. Stand up, Kathy. I'm going to have you help me preach here real quick. So, so, you want me calling somebody else? So think about it this way. I wasn't going to take a guy by the hand because he might think it was kind of weird. All right. So think about her, (laughs) think about her being the child of God and I'm the father. And you know what the father wants to do through life? Everywhere we go, he wants to lead us. You know what? He don't want us out in front doing our thing, trying to figure out we going the right way. No, 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 no. The father wants to take us by the hand and he wants to lead us through this life, right? I was going to have a bunch of people stand up, but I'm not going to do it. I don't have time. Like I said, there's a bunch of people up here representing Satan's, you know, playing snares, Right? And, and the Father wants to lead us in a way that's, no, don't go that way. No, no, no. Come on, we're going to go around that. No, no, no. Yeah, we're going to go down this path. Yep, yeah, no, we're going to go over here. Yeah, now look at this path. Look at this, what I chose for you. See, this is what God wants to do for us. Now, wait a minute. He gives you that ability every day. He gives you the ability to take Him by the hand as the Father. Don't be this thinking I'm smarter than the dad child who doesn't need the Father to rely upon. Come on. How many of you know God knows far more than you? Tell your neighbor, you're pretty smart, 
You're pretty smart. But God is smarter. He knows stuff you don't know. Yes, he does. He knows things about this day you'll face you don't know. He knows about opportunities he wants to lead you into that you don't know about. He wants to guide you in a way that would lead you around tragedy and difficulty and challenge that the enemy would throw at you that you don't have to deal with if you just follow God. It doesn't mean you don't ever face any challenges. God will walk you through them. But there's a lot of landmines out there we could avoid if we were following God. Landmines are wrong decisions. If we go off on our own, make a wrong decision, God's not going to follow you, child of God. God says, guess what? I've already got a prearranged plan for you, and it's a good plan. And that plan involves the Father. The plan, this is what Christians can't seem to figure out. The plan isn't separate from the Father. It isn't you just keep living life the way you want to live it and think somehow the Father's going to lead me down this great pathway. No, 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 no. It involves the Father. It's not about you separating and doing your own thing. It's not about you just being born again and I keep making decisions and never looked at. There is not a decision you make in your life daily that the Father doesn't want to help you with. Amen. Any good amens on that? You, you could go, literally, you could choose to say, I want to go to this restaurant today. God could know what's going on in the kitchen of that restaurant today that you probably don't want to know. That's right. You think that's silly? Do you realize, literally, I mean, and even in the sense of actually somebody poisoning the food, God knows what goes on in every place of every part of the world. And God, if you would simply ask Him, most of us never even think about asking God, should I go eat there today? Good word. Come on. How many remember there was a restaurant in South Texas not, not too many years back? And there was a guy that actually came into that, uh, drove in, actually drove his vehicle through the front glass part of that windshield. That restaurant got out and just started shooting people. What if you, heading to that restaurant that day, would have asked God, should I go eat there today? Come on. Come on. Right. Yes, you don't think God didn't know that guy was going to be there? Right. Why didn't he stop it? Man has a free will. Man has a right to choose what he does. You still here? But guess what God could have said? Don't go there today. Don't go there today. You have no idea. Is it the cook? Is he mad at his boss today? Is he going to spit on everybody's food? It happens. Listen, I delivered eggs. I won't say for what restaurant. (laughs) I delivered eggs at one time in this Dallas-Fort Worth area to one of the major restaurants in the area. I walked in some of those kitchens and I thought, this is why I pray over all of my food and I do it seriously and I don't do some little headache prayer no I'm serious about praying over it and believing God that it's going to be what sanctified to my body I'm telling you every decision you make of every day of everyday life. God wants to guide you. God wants to lead you. You're living in a world filled with landmines. You're living in a world filled with an enemy who wants to take advantage of your life that God's already given you authority over. But that doesn't mean that you can't be ignorant and not walk into his trap. You could be. But God wants to lead you around it. And more importantly, he wants to lead you into the good life he already prearranged for you. Ephesians 2.10. Anybody want to see that happen in your life? All right, so very clearly here in Romans chapter 8, if you're in Romans 8, say I am. In Romans 8 verse 14 again, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. 
So what I just described here in this verse, these are the sons of God, was the picture I just gave you. Sons here means God is my father. He's leading me. The word sons isn't male. It isn't a child of God. It means he's fathering me. I'm letting him father me. He's directing my steps. He's ordaining what I do. See, a lot of people, even when it comes to aspects of doing ministry and things, they want to do things because they like doing it. But if God didn't call you, guess what he won't do? He won't anoint you for it. He'll only anoint you for what he called you to do. So I think some think that's not necessarily true. Well, God would, or he would ordain me, excuse me, he would anoint me because he wants to get people born again and led to the Lord, all that. Listen, if he didn't call you to do it, he didn't gift you, in other words. That'd be like saying, if you have no mechanic ability, we don't want you working on our cars. Right? If you couldn't tell a screw from a, you know, a hex head, uh, you know, to, I mean, a Phillips screw to a hex head to a standard. If you couldn't tell, I don't want you working on my car. You want that person working on your car? No. And in today's times, they got to even be somewhat computer experts. Right. Know how to use that, uh, at least the equipment that attaches to the car to tell them what the computer's saying. So God gives you to do certain things, but how, how are you going to know what that is? You got to be led by God. What about your decisions for your future? Right. What about where your work is? Right. Or your job? In the, or, excuse me, or your business, any aspect of what you do. So guess again, he, clearly he says here, guess again how he does this. Notice, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God. How does he do it? By the Spirit of God. How does he lead us? By his Spirit. These are the sons of God. These are who? The sons of God. Meaning what? They're being fathered by God. 15, for you did not receive, I'm glad about this, you did not receive the spirit of bondage. Meaning what? The new spirit that's in you? The moment you got born again, that is not a spirit of bondage to what? Fear. You had it before you got born again. So what does that mean? Why would he tell us that? Why in the midst of this leading thing, why in the midst of him telling us how we're to be led, why he said you didn't receive a spirit of bondage, spirit of bondage again to fear. I'm not going to not go to a restaurant because I'm afraid. You're not led by fear. If you're led by fear, guess what? It ain't God leading you. Satan can lead you. That's what he uses. He uses fear. But I'm not subject to that spirit anymore. Come on, guys. Go back to COVID. How many Christians made decisions they made because they were afraid? How many things did they do because they were afraid of a virus? That's not God leading you. Well, that's wisdom. Is it wisdom being led by fear? I don't think so. There's nothing wrong with understanding what true wisdom is. And I'll guarantee you, like, through that whole deal, and I kept telling people, look at the truth. Look at the actual science. Don't, I don't trust any of the... If you, if you still trust our government organizations, you need to start listening to some people that actually know about them, like Dr. Mark Barclay. Seriously. I don't trust any of our government. I don't trust really pretty much anybody in our government as a whole. There's some. I'm not... But I'm just saying, many of them, even many who seem to be conservative, all of a sudden, in some ways, are not. And we call them rhinos. 
Republican in name only, because the Republicans tend to be the conservative party. I'm just trying to explain something to you. I'm not going to make my decisions by fear. I did not wear a mask to go into stores because I was trying to be some detestable and rebellious and bless God, you're not telling me what to do person. No, the Bible's clear. His angels go before me. No evil shall befall me. No plague shall come near me. I believe the Bible. I believe in the protection of God. I believe in the hand of God upon my life. And, and on top of that, I actually did research. I looked. I found people who showed studies. Max, no, Matt, now, guess what? Well, golly, Gomer, now that it's all over, guess what the CDC has finally admitted, which they knew all along. They don't work. And I'm telling you, I don't... Now, some of you Christians need to change your little attitude towards people who are still walking in fear. You see somebody wearing a mask and you mock them and make fun of them, let me help you. You've never made a decision out of fear before? Some are still just fearful. Maybe you might want to pray for them. Maybe you want, want, want be a blessing to them, be a, a help to them, encourage them, love them, say, guess what, man? Thank God you can get free from this. You don't have to live this way. Rather than mock everybody and tell them they're stupid for doing it. I never said anybody was dumb for doing it. I said, I'm not going to do it because I trust my God. Amen. Then on top of that, I find out the truth. They don't work. Right. And I don't have time to go into all that. But I'm just trying to explain something to you. Why does he bring up in the leading of God? Why does he bring up you don't have a spirit of bondage again to fear? Let me tell you why. Fear, say it. Fear. Just, just, you're disagreeing with the verse here. So I'm, not, I'm just asking you to agree with the verse. Say fear, fear. should never lead me. Why? You don't have a spirit of bondage to fear again. Fear should never lead you. Fear should never make your decisions. We don't make choices to not go somewhere because we're afraid. We don't make choices to not do something because we're afraid. No. We make choices based on God leading, God directing, God guiding. That's it. We make, we make choices on two things. Word of God, inward witness. That's it. No fear. Come on. No defiance. Don't think you're, you're super... Because you know, some people also make decisions because they think they're Mr. or Mrs. Super Spiritual. But you know what? You could think that in your head, not be that truly in the context of what the Bible says and not really be walking by faith and be just as, as, as affected as the person making the decisions by fear. That's a mouthful. We got to humble ourselves. I need a dad. I need to take the father's hand every day. I don't need to act like I got it all figured out. I got to admit, I ain't got this figured out. I ain't got tomorrow figured out let alone today figured out, but you do. I got one thing figured out in my life as a believer. You ready? If I will take your hand and let you lead me, I know I'll walk down the path you have for me and accomplish what you want me to do. All I got to do is take your hand. That's all I got to do. If I'll just take your hand and let you lead me the way you say you will. Now, here comes the other problem. Here comes the other problem. How many of you really believe in this church today? Because I guarantee you, you'd be shocked how many churches don't believe this. How many of you believe in this church today God really can and will lead you? How many of you believe that? Yes. You believe that? Yes. So that's about half of you. So about half of you really believe that God can and will lead you. Well, thank God at least I got half of you believing that because the truth is he wants to. Yes. But here's the key. How does he do it? How? See, we can't base it on what we think. That's the problem. A lot of Christians who actually do believe God will lead them. You know, there's a lot that don't. But a lot who do believe that I actually believe that, yeah, God will lead me. But you know what? Here's what the problem is. They don't, they don't actually do it the way God said. They're going to now, okay, I believe God leads me, but then they ditch the Bible when it comes to how he's going to do it. 
So now they just do it based on what they've been heard, what they've been told, what they've heard through years of tradition. Well, I'm just waiting for God to open a door. We've already addressed that. I'm just waiting God for close a door. Satan opens and closes doors, darling. There's no place in the Bible God opens and closes doors to lead you. It didn't mean God can't open opportunity, but he don't lead you there. He don't lead you through open doors. He leads you by the inward witness. You could be led somewhere by God and walk in and it looked like there is no door door open. But because you obeyed God and followed his leading, not the door, then a door could open to you that may never have opened. It's not about opening closed doors. Not about what you see in the natural. There's nowhere in all of the New Testament God leads us by the natural. He leads us by two things, the word and the inward witness. And here we're talking about the inward witness. Again, you didn't receive 15, the spirit of bondage to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out what? Abba. Father, Daddy. Come on, Daddy. You're my Father. Come on, lead me, guide me, help me, whatever decision I make. And the Spirit, therefore, does what? Himself bears witness with what? Our Spirit. So the Father says, I'll lead you. Here's how I'll do it. I'm going to do it by my Spirit, both by my Word and by the inward witness. Tonight, we're going to show you practica- uh, the practicality of how you learn to follow God. We've got to address this as it relates to us still being led by the inward witness because it's still a problem for a lot of believers. And what a lot of believers don't realize is the voice of your spirit is what you have to learn to get attuned to. I'm going to say that again. The voice of your spirit is what you have to learn to get attuned to. Uh, get on the same uh, uh, awareness of. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's going to bear witness with who? Your spirit. And if you'll be aware of your spirit, guess what you'll pick up on? The leading of God. See, a lot of people say, we well, got to get sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Now, let me help you. you got to get sensitive to your spirit. He's going to bear witness with your spirit. If you're sensitive to your spirit, you're going to know what he's directing you to do. Your spirit doesn't have a problem figuring it out. You, the individual, from the soulish perspective, does because you've got to learn to hear God the way God says he'll lead you. And he doesn't primarily speak with a voice. So a little further down here, Paul talks about this. He goes on discussing clearly about the fact that we have to understand that we can't walk in line with what God's will is without some form of suffering. Because if you live godly, you're going to to have persecution. Also, you're going to have to deal with your, your flesh as well. He even talks about the significance of God's love and care for us and talks about the fact that we're clearly, as he goes on to talk about the end of the chapter, more than conquerors through him who loved us in verse 37. So he's saying all this to say, this is all of what I've made you to be if you'll just learn to follow me. And lo and behold, in in Romans chapter 9 verse 1, as Paul's declaring this in this letter to the churches in Rome. Notice what the Holy Spirit inspires him to say about all these things he was just talking about. Notice this, verse 1, I tell the truth in Christ. In other words, all that I've just told you is the truth. How I've told you God leads you is the truth. What I've told you about you, that you're more more than a conqueror, it's the truth. How do we know? How do we know? Watch. I tell the truth in Christ, I am not lying. I am not lying. Underline it. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. There's the very thing he just described in Romans chapter 8 and verses 14, 15, and 16. He didn't just tell you this is how God leads you. He shows you that this is how I'm being led. As I'm writing this, I'm being led by the Holy Spirit to my spirit to pen this letter to you. 
I'm telling you the truth. What I'm saying, in other words, doesn't come from me. I didn't think it up. This is the truth. This came from the Lord Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice again, how do I know? Because my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. In essence, if you want to say it in the way that a simple way to word it is, the Holy Spirit is already bearing witness with my spirit. What I'm telling you is the absolute truth. Another translation says it this way, my conscience and the Holy Spirit are witnesses. My conscience and the Holy Spirit are witnesses, witnesses to what I'm saying. In other words, I have the witness. I have the witness of two things. He doesn't just have the witness of the Holy Spirit. See, some of you think he's just talking about the witness of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a co-witness. When he said the Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit, that's a co-witness. You look to your spirit to see what you're supposed to do. You look to your spirit as to how you're to be led. You look to your spirit as to the decision. Well, how do I do that? We're going to talk about that tonight. But you got to look to your... What I'm talking about before you ever get to tonight is, if you don't understand how to get sensitive to your spirit, you're never... Knowing tonight ain't going to help you because you're not going to be aware of what your spirit's trying to say or not. we got to get aware of our spirit, man. We got to get very sensitive to our spirit, man. Because again, he said both the Holy Spirit and my spirit are co-witnesses on this that I'm telling you the truth. Amen. I'm not lying. I'm telling you exactly what Jesus taught me. Can I get a better amen? What is my goal as a believer? In relationship to what we're talking about as a soulish being as to where you focus your mind, as he talked about earlier in Romans 8, what do we focus our mind on? Our spirit, man, not the flesh. Amen. If we focus our mind on our spirit, what are we going to pick up on? What the Holy Spirit is bearing witness with our spirit about. Right. We look to our spirit, we say, hmm, does this feel? No. Does this what? Seem. Does this seem good to my spirit, man? Are you bearing witness, Holy Spirit, with my spirit that this seems good to God? This is what I'm to do? And when you got the joint witness, now you know you're on the right track. Amen. Like a better amen. amen. Imagine if all the decisions we made in life were led by God. Where would the body be today? Yeah. Woo, man. But you can get there. I said, you can get there. Say, my conscience and the Holy Spirit work together. What's my goal then, pastor? You've got to become aware. You've got to become more sensitive to your spirit, man. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. So I taught you Wednesday night. What did I teach you Wednesday night about this? I gave you one of the first keys about this Wednesday night. What did I teach you Wednesday night? Does anybody know what we taught on Wednesday night? You want me to reteach Wednesday night and not go on to today? What I taught you Wednesday night was the first thing. See, this stuff should just, it's got to become real to you. It's got to become so real. It's not like you try to memorize all of it in your brain. But when something becomes real to you, you don't have a hard time remembering it. Think about incidents in your life of something that happened that became real to you. Let me help you. When Kathy's uh, Chrysler 300 got hit head on at a, at a traffic light, that became real to us really quick. I can't tell you how real that became. You know what? To this day, I've never forgot it. You know why? It became real to us. It impacted our life. You know what the Word of God needs to be? It needs to become real to you. It needs to impact your life. So it's not just something you're trying to throw away in your brain. It comes up because you know this is real. This works. Come on, somebody. What do we talk about Wednesday night? Number one, to become sensitive to your spirit, man, you got to develop your spirit, man. You got to develop your spirit, man. Okay? The second thing we're going to talk about today, number two, is 
you got to make sure you're not doing things to actually cause your conscience to be seared. What's the conscience? Voice of the spirit man. I got to develop my spirit man, but at the same time I develop my spirit man, I got to be aware of things that would sear my conscience, the voice of my spirit man, to cause me to not know what is the Holy Spirit saying. What is the Holy Spirit bearing witness with my spirit about? If I, soulish being, mind, will, and emotions have become seared to my conscience, not aware of my spirit man, I, I cannot pick up on the guidance God's trying to give. He's given it. God's not being, de- God's not being mute. We're, we're just the deaf one not listening because we're on the wrong channel. If we're, not, if we're not understanding and following the leading of God, I'm going to tell you why. There's two channels in the earth, like a radio dial, right? There's not a, there's not a hundred. There's two channels in the earth. There's the flesh channel, and then there's the spirit channel. And if you're tuned to the flesh channel, guess what you're not hearing? You ain't hearing what's going on in the spirit channel. But if you tune in the spirit channel, woo, come on. What do you do? Overcome what the flesh channel is trying to misguide you in. Flesh channel's trying to talk, but you ain't listening to that channel. You're tuned over here to the spirit channel. Come on, channel S-P-I-R-I-T, the spirit channel. Are you still with me? But you know what? You don't do that if you are hardening yourself to your spirit man, which means you're tuning into the wrong channel. 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, we began to look at this Wednesday night. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will do what? What will they do? What will they do? What will they do? Actually, this is what we taught on Wednesday night. Let me back up. I'll correct myself. Sunday night, we taught about how to develop your spirit, man. Wednesday night, we touched on this very truth here. The Spirit expressly says, why does it emphasize expressly? Explicitly is another word, meaning what? This is significant. This is something you better pay attention to. This isn't just some little thing you ought to just hear on a Sunday morning and say, well, okay, praise the Lord, good sermon, Pastor, and then go about your day. This is something you better tune into and listen carefully to. The Spirit expressly says in the latter times, some will do what? What will they do? They'll depart from the faith. Why? Why would they do that? Why would somebody depart from their trust in God? So departing from the faith, as most would say, is the apostasy or the falling away or people pulling completely away from God. Included. Included. But guess what else departing from the faith means? As our pastor has studied this out many years, departing from the faith also means active Christianity. Not doing what a Christian should do. What should a Christian primarily as the key thing? What is the primary Christian thing that a, a primary thing a Christian person should be learning to do in their life if they want to succeed? Follow the leading of God. Amen. What if you're not follow the lead, What if you're not following the leading of God? You're not walking out active Christianity. God didn't put you here to be alone. Amen. Come on, man. Gave you a helper. Why did He give you a helper? Because He knows you need a guide. If I'm not learning how to follow the guide, guess what I'm not walking in? The faith. I'm not walking in what God's plan is for my life. To walk in what God's plan is for my life takes faith. Takes ability to believe that's what he wants for me. That's what he wants me to do. I'm going to walk that out. Because clearly when God starts directing down a pathway sometimes in the natural, it don't look like what you think it obviously should look like. It don't look the way you think it should in the sense, wow, man, this has got to be God because everything's lining up perfectly. No, God can lead you in ways sometimes the natural stuff ain't lining up at all. But God's about to line some stuff up. Any good amens? 
you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm just using illustrations, so don't take this wrong. One of the things that I think is unique about Elon Musk, Elon Musk doesn't look at a problem and say, wow, there's a problem, and walk away. He doesn't. He looks at a problem, he says, somebody ought to fix that. And you know what he does? He goes to work to fix it. You know why you got PayPal on the internet? Elon Musk. Elon Musk said, here's the internet, and all these people, no way to actually, you know, to do transactions on the internet. And you know what? There, that's a problem. There's a problem there. Because obviously, that means they'd have to send money and wait for them to get money back. All this. He wasn't like getting all caught up into the, you know, the aspect of what we know of the Great Reset. I'm just telling you, all he saw was a problem. Say he saw a problem. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not acknowledging everything he's done has been perfect. Or, I'm just explaining something. When he looks at a situation, he'll look at it and say, well, there's a problem and walk away. You know what he does? He says, there's got to be a solution. The very first of the electric cars that came out, the reason he owns Tesla is not because he wanted to be a car owner. No, he actually drove somebody that had made an actual battery-powered car. He drove a battery-powered car. It would hardly, you know, your little kid's car probably run faster. You know, the little ones you buy at Walmart, you know. He's like, you have a kidding? This is an electric car? He said, that's a problem. Let's fix it. He wasn't, if you listen to Elon Musk, he has no problem with fossil fuels. You kidding me? He's burning up millions of fossil fuels every time they launch one of his, uh, his rockets from SpaceX. He ain't, he ain't this anti-fossil fuel guy that we got to go to solar and all this kind of, are you kidding me? No. No, he just saw a problem. Say he saw a problem. He didn't even see it as like a billionaire, billion dollar corporation. He just said, somebody should make a car that runs off a battery better than this one. Surely I could do that. And he did. I said he did. I mean, this guy has done nothing but seen problems. He said, we got a problem in the space industry. We need to get satellites, more satellites up there, da 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 Because whoever's going to control the, he knows this, but whoever's going to control that atmosphere in the latter times is going to control warfare. They control the world. We got to get some more satellites up there. But the problem is every time they fire one of these rockets up, it's done. You fire it one time and it's expensive and you can't use it again. He said, that's a problem. We need to fix that. You know what SpaceX is all about? Learning how to create a rocket that you can fire, bring back down and use it again. But you don't drive your car to the grocery store one time and you're done with that one and you pick up another one and drive another one home. That would get expensive. But that's what they do with rockets. That's what our government does. They fire a rocket into space, and guess what? That's it. It's not going again. It's finished. It's done. And he said, somebody's got to find a way to be able to bring these things back down, land them, and reuse them. There's got to be a way. And they're working on it. They're getting, I mean, they're getting very close to making it a, a reality of how they can save money. Now, I know he got some crazy ideas. Sorry, I'm not going to go live on Mars. In the midst of all that, he wants to go and have it Mars. He, he said, why could we not? Why could we not create a place on Mars for people to live where they could actually, I mean, you'd have to live inside these, you know, systems of homes and stuff. But it's like, hey, if somebody wanted to go live there, why not? Why not? Why could, it's a, it's a planet just like, in the sense, another planet out there that we could actually utilize, I guess, in some way. Now, I'm not with him on that. I'm not going to Mars. God didn't want me on Mars. He'd have put me on Mars. I said, God didn't want me on Mars. He'd have put me on Mars. Why can't Christians say, you know what, whatever I face in life, it doesn't matter what it seems like, it doesn't matter what the challenge is like. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not talking about you saying, I've got to have a solution for this. I need to figure, I need to figure, I need to figure. No, 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 no. You need to look at every situation and say, God, not a problem for you. You already got the answer. All I got to do is take your hand, Dad. 
Take your hand. Listen to your voice. Let you speak to me. Let you lead me. Let you guide me. Do you know, I saw the other day, I'm probably going to mess it up. I'm going to be close. 80 to 90%. I saw what I thought, a lot I saw was 90. 90% of all the greatest inventions in the world have come through evangelical Christians. You know why? They're connected to the God. Who knows all that stuff? How could you not be a part of that? I'll read on. So the Spirit says in the latter times some will depart from what? The faith. Following God. Active Christianity. Being led by God includes that. Why will they do it again? They'll give heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines. I would never do that. Christians are doing it all the time. Don't even, listen, don't even realize it. I don't mean they're doing it intentionally. If you're getting caught up uh, and giving heed to deceiving spirits, guess what, darling? You don't know it. Or you wouldn't be getting caught up with deceiving spirits. If you're deceived, you don't know it. But the problem is, if you give way to these deceiving spirits, guess what they do? They indoctrinate you with things that aren't true. Doctrines of demons. Teachings that don't come from God, they come from the enemy to get you to believe stuff that ain't true. Now, I went into detail showing you this Wednesday night. I would love to re-preach that message, but I can't. Notice the next phrase. Speaking lies in what? Hypocrisy, having their own, own conscience seared with a hot iron. Who in the world is searing their conscience with a hot iron? Why would anybody want to sear their conscience with a hot iron? Because to sear my conscience, the voice of my spirit with a hot iron means it's just like anybody ever had a major burn on your body somewhere? And boy, if you do, you go back, you can touch that skin now, you don't even feel it. That's the phrase here. The hot iron is like your conscience is getting seared with this hot iron that now, guess what? The Holy Spirit, ladies and gentlemen, the Holy Spirit is still bearing witness with your spirit. He doesn't stop. He doesn't stop. The problem is you, as a mind, will, and emotion, have your conscience now seared to where you can't even pick up on it anymore. How does that happen? Because if I'm not aware of my conscience, how am I going to, excuse me, if I'm not aware of my spirit, how am I going to be aware of my spirit? Be able to hear my conscience, the voice of my spirit. Know my conscience is leading me. Know my conscience is guiding me. But if I'm not aware of that, guess what? I become insensitive to my spirit, man. And if I've done that, I'm, I'm in a position now where Satan can deceive me, mislead me, teach me things that aren't true, take advantage of my life, and keep me out of the plan of God. But it doesn't have to happen. So how does this happen? How in the world do people depart from the very pathway and the plan of faith God has for their life? They give heed. Underline those, those words right there or circle them in your Bible. They give heed. See, it's not Satan took advantage of you, not without you giving heed. Satan can't do whatever he wants in your life. He could. I guarantee you what, there wouldn't, be a, there wouldn't be a single one of you sitting in this room today. If Satan could do whatever he wanted with your life, let me help you. He'd have you on the sofa this morning. He'd have you out on the lake this morning. Wow, cooler weather. Breaking the weather, time to get to the lake. He'd have you doing some, picnicking. He'd have you playing with family, doing whatever. He'd have you doing something besides being here. He don't want you being taught what I'm telling you. Listen, the last thing the devil wants for you to do is take the Father's hand and have him lead you. I said the last thing the devil ever wants for, for to happen in your life, for what could happen in your life for you to do, is for you to take the Father's hand and be led by the Father. He don't want that. Because if the Father's leading you, guess who, if he gets in your pathway, guess who's going down? The devil is. Guess whose plans are being totally disrupted? The devils are. Guess who can't take advantage of your life anymore? The devil can't. And when you walk in victory, what does that mean? He stays under my feet. 
When you walk in victory, he, he, he loses. He's already a loser Amen. with a big L. Amen. Go ahead, turn your neighbor. He's a loser. That was a loser. Oh, come on. That's ridiculous. No, the Bible said so. The Bible said he'd been, he's lost. He's been stripped of his authority. Then how in the world is it that he takes such advantage of people? He's not your problem. You're your problem. The devil's not your problem. Read it again. They gave heed to. Who in the world gives heed to anything? You do. It's a choice you make. I decide whether I give heed to something or not. I decide to whether I give heed to my wife today and, 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 my, and mama to go to lunch with them today or not. I choose to do that or not. I, I choose to give heed to God, to come obey God, fulfill my call as a pastor, come teach you the word of God today. I choose whether I heed to the word of God week in and week out and spend hours studying and praying and, and seeking God to bring a word to you, or I choose to do something else. And you can tell the difference. Amen. I know what most people think of pastors. Yeah, they're out there on the golf course. Whew, that's what pastors do all week long, and then they just come to a little message and out on the golf course again. See if you can find me on a golf course. I used to, before I was actually a pastor, believe it or not. Long time. My dad was an avid golfer. I don't have time anymore. Any of that kind of stuff. People look at my life. Man, you live a boring life. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Well, you don't ever get to do anything fun. Listen, serving God is fun. Walking with God is fun. Delivering people from darkness is fun. You, just learned, you just haven't learned what's fun yet. So I'm here to help you understand that you got a choice to make every day. What This is my... If you're a note taker, wonderful, write this down. Ask yourself, don't ask me, don't ask, I want you to just ask yourself this question. What am I giving heed to? Well, I'm not giving heed to anything. Oh yeah, you are. Every day you're giving heed to stuff. Yes. You're giving heed to stuff. What are you giving heed to? We got to ask that question. I got to ask that question. What am I giving heed to? What am I giving my eyes heed to? What am I giving my ears heed to? What am I giving my time heed to? What am I giving my decisions? What am I heeding to? What am I, what am I yielding to? What am I giving myself to? Because it's what you heed to that's going to determine whether your conscience is seared or not. How did their conscience get seared? They gave heed to deceiving spirits. Oh. Well, I'm not going to do that, Pastor. Once again, you better figure out how these deceiving spirits work or you'll never even know if you're giving heed to them. You know, most Christians today, and I'm serious, I, as serious as I could be, most of them are not doing it intentionally. They don't even realize they're doing it. They don't even know that they're giving heed to these deceiving spirits. And then the more they do, guess what the result is? Doctrines of demons. Give you an example. How many people do you know as believers today that think it's no big deal? I know, you, I know some of you don't like me saying that. I'm just reading the Bible. I'm just quoting the Bible. Something, you, something you'll understand. I mean, just a relative thing of today's life of Christians. How many know there's a lot of Christians, they say, no big deal whether you go to church or not. Don't have to go to church. No big deal. How many know there's a lot of Christians? How many know there's far more that say you don't have to today than ones that know that you should be in God's house? How many know that's true? Why? Why? Where, where, did, that, where did that doctrine come from? It's a doctrine. It's a belief. You've been taught by somebody church isn't important. Somebody, whether that's you yourself or somebody else around you, has taught you that going to church isn't important. If it was important, wouldn't more Christians do it? I said if it was important. See, quit, quit every time I bring up church attendance, quit tuning me out. I'm just trying to help you understand a simple truth. If it wasn't important, why would God say, don't forsake doing this? Right? Is it important? 
in the eyes of God, then why do Christians think it's not? Why do so many Christians today believe it's not? I'm going to tell you why. They've been indoctrinated by demons. And they don't even realize it. Don't even realize it. How did it begin? Not the indoctrination. It began by what? Giving heed. To what? Deceiving spirits. I think we better learn about these deceiving spirits. Because if I keep giving heed to them, guess what I'm going to wind up doing? I'm going to wind up speaking lies and hypocrisy and therefore having my own conscience seared with a hot iron. No, you don't want, if you want to walk through this life being led by God, if your conscience is seared, you cannot follow the leading of God because you're not aware of it. This is a huge subject. I'd like to spend about two weeks just on this one part of this series, but I can't. God didn't tell me to. I said, I would like to. Because I see it affecting a lot of people's lives. So how do I give heed, pastor, to, doctrine, uh, to uh, seducing spirits? You better start learning what they function and how they function. Well, I, that ain't ever going to happen to me because I don't ever do anything sinful. Da, 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 da. Let me help you. Religious spirits are just as deceiving. There are people who think, I don't ever give heed to no, no deceiving spirits. And they are so caught up with religious spirits and judging other people. And they should be more like me. And why don't they do what I do? And I pray for hours a day. And I, I fast. And I, I read my Bible for hours a day. Da, 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 da. Okay, wonderful. Glad you do all those things if you did them for the right reasons. But that don't necessarily mean you're getting anything truth out of it. You ought to do it, but it's how you do it. But if you get caught up, the Pharisees were considered to be the most religious people of the day. And guess what? God himself was standing in front of them, and they did not even know it. They knew every verse that prophesied about the coming of the Messiah. He's a fulfillment of it all. Oh, listen to me. Preach for just a minute, church. He's a fulfillment of all that the Bible said, and they didn't even see it. They didn't even see it. So you could be so aware of all these scriptures and yet God right in front of you is trying to speak to you and lead you and you don't even see it. We got to be careful. We got to be aware of our spirit man. We got to do it biblically and make sure we're not giving heed to deceiving spirits. Because religious spirits are just as deceiving as worldly ones. Are you listening? The Bible says even Satan has his own ministers of light uh, who are ministers of righteousness who, who look like they're right, but they're not. Right. I said they're not. You and I got to learn, what do we do to not get caught up in this? Okay, go to 1 Corinthians 10. Right. Now we're back to where we left off on Wednesday, although that wasn't all review. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we find out something significant here about maintaining a spiritual sensitivity to our spirit, man. And if we do that, we're not searing our conscience through. I meant to point out as well in that verse, remember it said, they speak lies and hypocrisy. They do what? They speak lies. They're hypocrites. They say one thing, but they really do something else. They talk about, example, oh man, I'm so spiritual, I'm so holy, I'm so, uh, I'm so close to God. I'm so, and you know what? Yet they still treat other people like they're nothing. They, they won't forgive people. Seriously, the Pharisees did this. Which spectrum you want to go on? They speak lies in it. They'll say they're one thing. Pharisees said, oh, we're this and we're that, da, 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 da. But they didn't do much, hardly anything what they said. Even the things they claimed. You got to understand, we got to be more aware of our spirit, man. And to do that, we don't want to do what? We don't want to sear our conscience. 
1 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us how we can be aware of these, of these deceiving spirits that leads to... So let me back up for just a minute. The Holy Spirit just keeps saying, stop. I didn't finish. Go back. Yes, sir. So if I give heed to, which I'm about to show you how, if I give heed to deceiving spirits, it will lead to doctrines of demons. How does somebody come to the place to say church attendance doesn't matter? Well, it wasn't the doctrine that got them. It was giving heed to deceiving spirits that led them to believe that. You see that? What I don't want to do, don't worry about the doctrines of demons. Worry about the deceiving spirits. Don't give heed to deceiving spirits. You'll never, you'll never get into the doctrines of demons. You understand? I just have to be aware, how does Satan function? How, does, how do these demons function to try to get me caught up to give heed to them to the degree they start indoctrinating me to believe things that aren't true. How in the world do you get to the place as a minister to say, tithing is not New Testament. You gave heed somewhere. somewhere. You're now under a doctrine of a demon. Well, he may be right, you may be wrong. He's got a bigger following. Okay, so let's go back to the children of Israel. Which was right? The two that entered into the promised land or the million plus that didn't? It ain't about how big the crowd is. What does the Bible say? There are irrefutable scriptures in the New Testament that talk about tithing, but you're going to discount them now? Please don't follow these crazy... Stick with your few fathers, you won't have this problem. I tell people this all the time, but they just don't want to seem to adhere to it. And, and, and still Christians today listen to so many different people. How you know? I get questions from them. You ever heard of this guy? No. What do you think about him? Don't know. Why? He's not a spiritual dad of mine, so I don't know him. I'm not going to listen to him. I got spiritual fathers. I know them. I can tell you about them. I'm not faulting him. He might be a great preacher. He might be rolling hard. But I don't have time. God connected me with my spiritual fathers. I can't even keep up with all their book writing. All their, all their sermon series. I'm working on it. I still haven't read all my pastor's books. I'm close. I'm only a handful away of having read all my pastor's books. You listening? Oh my gosh. I'm just barely getting started on Terry Mize. I didn't get through all Dr. Sutton's. I got through most of them. Are you listening? Yeah. Why does God give you spiritual fathers? To help you. Amen. Know what you need to hear. Yes. Can I get a better amen? Yes. See, the problem is people start listening to other ministers who seem famous or huge or big or whatever. But the, the, but the problem is, darling, guess what? If they've been misled into deceiving spirits, uh, heeded to them, guess what they're full of? Doctrines of demons. Oh, you want to tithe today? That's a doctrine of a demon. Show me a verse in the Bible that says, under the New Testament, tithing went away. You don't have to tithe today. No, you have to make up that interpretation. There's not a verse that says that. Not a verse that says, New Covenant Christians. Can't. I mean, is God not an intelligent God? Yes. Sure he is. What about us? That could be questionable. Is God not an intelligent God? We are intelligent people in the sense of the way God made us. Is God intelligent or not? Yes, yes no, maybe. Yes. If God didn't want you to tithe the New Testament, don't you think he just said, hey, ladies and gentlemen, New Covenant, you don't have to tithe anymore. But it doesn't say that. You have to do what? You have to bring your spin, your interpretation, which actually isn't yours. It's a doctrine of demons. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Made the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, watch this. This is how it happens. Now, I don't have time to go back into the whole detail of what we talked about Wednesday night. Let me give you context here really quick, really, really quick, okay? Corinthians were totally zealous for God, but they had some really goofed up doctrines. Why? They gave heed to things that they shouldn't have gave heed to. 
They still listen to people they shouldn't listen to. They stopped listening to Paul, one of their own spiritual fathers. That birthed the church, the very guy that brought them the gospel and the, and the signs and what. And they're no longer listening to Paul. They're listening to others now. And all of a sudden, they start getting back into this whole thing. Big in Paul's day, people who worshipped idols, that's also demons, would take meat and they would offer it up to an idol as a sacrifice to an idol. So when the New Testament came along, now there came this question. What if I go to eat with somebody and I know the food that they have in front of them is food that was offered up to idols? Should I eat it or not? Because if I eat it, here's basically what they were concerned about. Am I going to get a demon? Long, long story short in what Paul's saying here. There are no demons in the meat. That's not the problem. The piece of meat's not the problem. It's what's associated with it. You listening? You could eat that meat and never get a demon. The problem is you keep fellowshipping with the people that keep doing that. It's the association. It's who they're worshiping when they offer up that meat to to those demons. And you're going to fellowship with them? You're going to hang out with them? 19, what am I saying? 1 Corinthians 10, 19, what am I saying then? That an idol is anything? Or, or notice, or what is offered to idols or anything? In other words, the, again, the meat of itself is nothing. It, it's not an idol. It's not a god. It's a piece of meat. Right. Came from an animal. Right. You still here? Yes. That's not what he's bringing up. Notice what he's bringing up. Rather, verse 20, rather the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, what's the problem? They sacrifice it to demons. And not to God. I do not want you to have what? Underline it, please. I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. If you have fellowship with demons, guess what you're going to do? You're going to give heed to deceiving spirits. If you give heed to deceiving spirits, guess what they're going to do? You're not even going to realize it. Your doctrines are going to change. Isn't it amazing how many people come to a good church where they hear the word preached, believe the Bible, see the Bible, know it's black and white, walk it out, but all of a sudden, years down the road, I don't believe that anymore. Well, why? What changed it? Well, my interpretation is different. We're not talking about whether your interpretation is right or wrong. Is it black and white or not? And if it's not, we shouldn't be talking about it. Are you listening? No scriptures of private interpretation. So if it ain't black and white, we shouldn't be trying to say, well, there's no more tithing today under the New Testament. No, there'd be a black and white verse that would say that if that was true. God's not dumb. And God knows that we tend to be a little dumb sometimes. A little ignorant sometimes. I shouldn't say dumb. And, he, and we need the direct answer from the Bible as to what he wants us to do, not do. Any good amens on that? I'm glad about that. So again, watch, verse 20. It's not that the idol's anything. No, it's that they sacrifice the demons. I don't want you to have fellowship with demons. Why? What happens if I fellowship with demons? You are going to give heed to deceiving spirits. What's it going to lead to? Doctrines of demons. Which is going to cause what? My conscience to be... Seared. Am I going to hear from God? No. And that's the end goal of Satan. That's the end goal. He don't want you to hear in God's plan. He don't want you following the inward witness. Verse 21. You cannot. You cannot drink the cup. Now he's referring to communion, but think about communion because the term communion means to fellowship with. To be one with. To walk together with. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. Not possible. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. You can't fellowship with both, folks. I said you can't fellowship with both. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Look at verse 23. All things are lawful. Come on. But all things are what? They're not helpful. 
All things are lawful for me, but they're what? Not all things edify. Are you still with me? Yes. Amplified version of verse 23. All things are legitimate, meaning permissible, and we're free to do anything we please. That's right. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Not me. I'm a believer. No, you're still free to do anything you please, believer or not. You know why? You got a free will. Right. You don't have to do what God says. You don't have to follow God's word. You don't have to follow God's leading for your life. You have a free will. You're still here. All things are legitimate, permissible, and we are free to do anything we please, but not all things are helpful. Not all things are helpful. Expedient, profitable, and wholesome. This is what you need to check. Is what I'm involving my time with expedient, profitable, and wholesome for my life? Want to answer that in a simple word? Godly. Is God involved in it in any way? Or is God being put down in it in any way? All things are legitimate, but not all things are constructive to character and edifying to spiritual life. Not all things are edifying to spiritual life. Meaning what? Obviously, there are things in this world that are not going to help you spiritually. And if they're going to lead you away from being sensitive to your spirit, what are they going to do? They're going to deceive you into now believing doctrines of demons that aren't true. And the whole process is simply to do what? Sear your conscience through. God wants to lead you by the hand. Satan wants to get your hand out of his and in, into his hand. It's your choice. What can I not do? I can't keep fellowshipping with demons. Okay, how do we do that? How do we fellowship with demons then? How do we do that? Anybody know how we do that? I mean, blatant sin would be pretty obvious. That's not something most people would, miss, would, uh, would obviously not understand. You know how many Christians think there's no problem to have sex outside of marriage today? We're under the new covenant. We're saved by grace. This whole new saved by grace doctrine is a doctrine of a demon that I can do anything I want because I'm saved by grace. You can do anything you want, but grace doesn't empower you to do anything you want. Well, is grace going to empower you to take somebody's life? No. Grace is an empowerment. It's a help from heaven. Hallelujah. Grace empowers. I said grace empowers. It's, it's God's help. It's God's hand of help. Well, it don't empower me to do things that are ungodly. Where did this doctrine come from? I'm saved by grace. I can do anything I want. Where did that come from? I'll tell you where it came from. It came from people heeding, giving heed to. Where did they do this? Where did they start giving heed to these deceiving spirits? Where did this happen? This is why you got to make sure you don't just listen to some minister who you know nothing about because you don't know their personal life. What movies do they go watch? What are they watching when they're in their home? What are they looking at when they're on the internet? Who are they talking to? Who's influencing their life? Who are they listening to? I'm not going to name his name because I'm not a slanderer. But I'm going to tell you a truth that everybody needs to understand. It relates to aspects of Christianity. There's a very famous minister who wrote a very famous book. Three-fourths of the quote in the book were by New Age people. New Age ain't of God, folks, if you don't know that. I don't have time to get into all that. But New Age is not of God. The, the, the top, excuse me, the second, this is all, I, I've, I, this isn't hearsay. I mean, I backed up the articles with the guy that actually was the guru himself. The second top guru of New Age years ago got born again, got led to the Lord. Somebody led him to Jesus. 
So you know what he's thinking? I got to find somewhere to learn the Bible. So what's the first thing you think? Find the most famous person you can find. So that's what he did. The guy at the time he went to, most famous person you could find. Started listening to him. Started going to his church. He lived in California. Started going to his church. As he started going to his church, he keeps hearing him quoting these things that he himself actually were his quotes. He hears about his book. He's thinking, well, this book, I got to have this book. Everybody's raving about this book, man. So he gets this book. I'm not going to tell you the name of the book. He reads through the book, and every time he sees a quote, three-fourths of the quotes entered are his quotes. He calls, he calls the pastor. I calls the office. Can I meet with the pastor? Well, I guess so. He has set up a meeting, all this, tells him who he is, all that. He goes, sat down with him in his office. This is, own, this is this guy's own confession. I sat there and looked at this pastor in the eye and said, three-fourths of these quotes in this book are New Age quotes. They're mine. Now, I thought, I thought these people that led me to the Lord said New Age was of, of not of God. It was of the enemy. And I believed it. And that's why I gave my life to Jesus. But now, you're, you're promoting it. Am I wrong? Are they wrong? Is New Age okay? Because my understanding, New Age is not from God, according to the Bible. But here you are, quoting three-fourths of my quotes in your, in your book. Not even giving me credit for it, by the way, which I could care less. But the point is, you got all these quotes in mind. And well, they sound good. Oh. So because it sounds good, we should put the quote in the book. I mean, millions upon millions, if not billions now, Christians have read that book. But listen, man, come on, really, seriously. It's no big deal. It's just a book. It's good quotes. It's good stuff. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. See, here's where you're already losing it. Here's where you're already losing it. You don't understand how doctrines of demons work. Because they work by, first of all, getting you to do what? Give heed to deceiving spirits. How do you give heed to deceiving spirits? Oh, it ain't like Satan walks up to your door and says, you know what? I'm fed up with you. I'm tired of you rebelling against me. Come on, you're going to take my hand. You're going to follow me up. You're going to give heed to all of the deceiving spirits I have available to start doing all these things I want you to do. What did you say to the devil? No, I ain't doing that. But see, the problem is you don't realize it's going on every day. If you go watch a movie with any foul language or any nudity in it, it's not the movie. They're like the meat. It's not, there's no demon on that screen. I mean, it might be, you know, hanging around by it, but I'm just saying there's no demon. In it. There's no demon in the film, right? The piece of film that's projecting it up there or however they do it today, computers, I don't know. But there's no demon in that, just like the meat. That's not the problem. It's the association. So that's right. What's behind it? What's behind all that foul language? Oh, God now is behind foul language in movies because he just wants you to be entertained. What friends do you have? Who do you listen to? Who do you follow on Facebook, by the way? Who do you read after? Whose post do you read? I better get off of this because I'm coming up on lunch hour and some of you now starting to get mad at me wanting to throw me out. Take a look at your, take a look at your social media feeds. How many people do you follow? Oh, man, Pastor, I've seen yours. You've got a lot of people. I follow none of them. They follow me. I'm not, I'm not somebody big. By, by no means, Lord, no. I don't, I don't accept friends' requests because I want to read your stuff. No. I got all the people that I need to follow to read stuff. I got their stuff that I want to read, praise God. I'm not, a lot of people say, well, then you shouldn't befriend them. Some people want to hear what I have to say. Yes, I'm just trying to help them. Right. Not because of who I am, because the Word of God will set you free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I don't, I don't follow them. And I guarantee if you send me a friend's request and I look at your feed and it's filled with filth and language and stuff, I'm not going to be your friend anyway. 
I mean, if you show that, if I see you have a desire, want to know God, then I might, I might, you know, actually accept somebody's friend request for the purpose of sharing the gospel with them. But I still don't follow their feed. Who influences you? Who are you giving heed to? What are you giving heed to? What are you looking at? Now, listen, this goes back to Romans 8, doesn't it? Absolutely. Set your mind on the things of the flesh. Death. Set your mind on the things of the spirit. Life and peace. Life and peace. There's so many things in our society today that is designed by Satan to suck you in, to give heed to it, all with the purpose of indoctrinating you to start disbelieving what that truth says. And if it does, what is it doing? It's literally causing your conscience to be seared through, not even knowing it. It's so subtle. It's, it's not like that instant burn, you know. How many ever were ironing something, you know, and all of a sudden turn around and put your hand up against the iron. Whoa, man, you know. But see, this is more subtle. It's just slowly. So the heat gets turned up a little more each time, and it's slowly searing your conscience through. All things are lawful. Not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things are what? Edifying. Or in other words, going to help me spiritually. Now, you could do a lot of stuff that's innocent to you, but I'm going to tell you what. Anything, go real quick to you. I got to, I got to close with it. Go to James 4. If you're going to go and get involved and do things constantly that's going to pull you away from spiritual things. Tamara heard me. If you're going to constantly allow stuff to involve your life, to, you're going to allow yourself to be involved in your life with stuff that's going to pull you away from spiritual things, things that would make you more sensitive to your spirit. What do you think that is? The same deceiving spirits. Same ones. And you don't even realize it. See, demons don't even have to come to us. They can just use the influence of all the stuff in this world to start drawing us away slowly, little by little, to the things that aren't helping us spiritually. The less you're around things that help you spiritually, how spiritually sensitive you're going to be. Right. Let me illustrate again. So back in the days when I was a kid, all right? right? Some of you probably don't even remember this, man. But when I was a kid, the first phone we had, it hung on a wall. That's right. it, didn't, it wasn't like a separate line like you could take that phone anywhere. No. It hung on the wall. Now, the actual receiver had a long... Anybody remember this? <laughs> it went to the ground and... Wrapped. Why? So you could, you know, walk across the kitchen. Right? Well, you're talking to... Some, mom, mom, my mama had it because she'd be fixing dinner, right? She'd have to be talking on that phone to dad or something, whatever. And she had it because you could. Otherwise, she'd have to stay with that phone. But you know what? Our phone was in the kitchen. I don't know where yours was, but our phone was in the kitchen. I already used this simple illustration. But this is what people don't get. This is what people don't get. So as a child, let's say in my case, and this happened several times when I was a kid growing up in Montana. Now, don't throw me out for this because obviously times were a little bit different when I grew up. But we were taught responsibility by my mom and my dad. And obviously, in many cases, my mom and dad working. Me and my brother got home from school before my parents got home. Anybody grew up like that? And so we'd have to go. We had chores we had to do and things we had to get done. Of course, you're supposed to do your homework. That didn't always happen. But you're supposed to do your homework before you go out and play. Right? All we want to do is get home and do what? Play, man. Come on. Just get home, get the bat and ball, get the football. Come on, go get whatever. We're just going outside and play, man. Get the bikes. We just want to go play. And there were a couple times when my mom said, now listen, when you get home from school tonight, today, when you get back from school today, I'm not going to be here yet, and I'm going to need to call you. I got to ask you. I got to have you do something for me. Because she knew. I'm not going to tell you now because when you get home, you ain't going to do it. So, so you stay by the phone till you hear from me when you get home. Where was the phone? In the kitchen. What was calling? 
Playtime. Look at the door, Darren. Look at the door, man. Our buddies, man, they're out there playing football. Come on, man. Let's go outside. Let's go play. I'll mess with the cameraman today. Let's go play. Come on. Where do we want to be outside playing? Where was the phone? In the kitchen on the wall. Who's going to call? Mama. You better be there when Mama calls. What about when God calls? So if I wanted to get that call from my mama, guess what I couldn't do? I couldn't go do what I wanted. I couldn't go outside and play. I had to stay in the kitchen, wait for that phone to ring. Come on, phone ring. Come on. Ring, 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 ring. I want to go play. Ring. You know where most Christians are today? They don't understand this. If you are focused on the things of the flesh, you're outside in the playground. You're not in the kitchen where the phone's ringing. But if you're focused on the things of the Spirit, guess what you're doing? You're hanging out in the kitchen until the phone rings. I want to hear from God. What's God need me to do today? James 4, verse 1. Where do wars and fights, disputes, you can even say this in the home. Where do disputes come from? Where do wars come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure? That war in your members. What's that mean? What I want to do. I want to go play. I don't want to hang out by the phone. I don't want to do spiritual things. Come on, I don't want to do spiritual things. Truth is, your spirit does. You're, you're, you're just being ruled by your flesh. Your flesh doesn't want to. You still with me? Yes. Verse 2. You lust, desire, and don't have. You murder and covet in some cases, cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you what? You don't ask. You don't come to the Father with the right heart to look to him as the guide to provide and direct your steps. No, instead you keep trying to do stuff on your own. Imagine how much time could be saved in people's lives, wasted by people, to walk in the blessings that God has for their life if they would just learn to get spiritual and hear from God. Yes. He's going to lead you in victory all the, all the time. And yet here we are scrapping and fighting out in the world, trying to find a way to get through, and God already has a plan for us. We're just not willing to you know, learn how to tune in to follow God's leading for our life. Verse 3, you ask and do not receive, so some do ask. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. But they don't receive, why? Because they ask amiss that they can do what? Spend it on their pleasures. So the goal isn't to honor God and do what God wants me to do. The goal is to get more so I can go do what I want to do. The goal should never be about what I want to do. The goal should be about what does the Father want me to do? Why? He's got a better plan. Say so he's got a better plan. Verse 4, adulterers. And adulteresses. Anybody know what an adulterer is? So you pledged your love to one, but obviously now you violated that by now doing what? Sharing your love with another. We do the same thing with God in these verses when we continue to allow ourselves to give heed to things that Satan's pulling us away from God with. We do the same thing with God when we give ourselves to Give heed to things that pull us away from the one that we betrothed our love to, our commitment to. Anybody can do it. Many have. Even in the book of Revelation, talks about the church at Ephesus. Man, it gives a lot of commendations for a lot of good things they did. But you know what he said? He got a problem. Even though you're doing all these good works, guess what? You've left your first love. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship 
with the world is enmity with God. Why would that be true? Biblically, why would that be true? Can you think of a scripture? See, this is the way, this is the way I think all the time. Now, I don't know if it's the gift of a teacher. I don't know. But it's just the way I think all the time. I read a statement like this. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? And I think, why? Why is that? Well, simple. Who's the God of this world? Oh, Satan. So if I'm a friend of the world, falling into the trap of the world, pulling, away, pulling me away from the things of God, it's clear that I'm in enmity with God because I'm following who? I'm following the wrong Lord. You still with me? I said, you still with me? Where, notice this. Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself what? An enemy of God. Or do you think the scripture says in vain that the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? Meaning what? He won't share you with anybody. What do you mean he won't share you with anybody? The way that it takes to hear from God of being sensitive to your spirit, man, means I can't fellowship with demons and still have the close fellowship with God and hear from him. It doesn't work that way. Why? Because if I fellowship with the world, and the world has more of a pull on me, and the world has more of an attraction to me, and I spend my time with more worldly things than I do with spiritual things, guess what I'm going to be insensitive to? My spirit, man. Guess what I'm not going to follow the leading of? The Holy Spirit. Why? I'm not aware of it. I'm not even aware the phone's ringing. Why? I'm out playing with the boys. You listening? We can't ever play. Oh, God's one of the greatest guys to play with. He just plays in different ways, like raising the dead and casting out demons and doing all kinds of cool miracles in the midst. You know, the great thing about even enjoying stuff in life is it's not like if we were to go on vacation, now all of a sudden we're not Christians. And we don't hear God's voice because we're doing our own thing now. We're on a vacation. No, 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 no. God doesn't mind you going on vacation. Probably enjoys the fact you spend some time with your family. But that's not disconnect from God today and let's not hear from God. You're still here. Brother Moore said one time he had a ministry, he knew he was going through a situation, and he had prayed about it. God told him, don't want you to do anything right now. And so he said, you know, me and my wife, we enjoy the water, we have a boat. And he said, we happen to take some time off, first time in a while. We got in our boat, we're out on the lake, and we're going across the lake. And all of a sudden, Holy Spirit just speaks to me. He says, I want you to pray about that right now. What do you mean right now? Shut down the boat. Well, I'm on vacation. doesn't matter. Amen. You're, not, you're not on a vacation from God. Not to do God's will. You listening? He said, I've learned to obey God instantly. I shut that thing down. We idled over to the side. I said, we got to pray for this guy. His wife called, oh yeah, absolutely. And so they took some time to pray for him. And after they got done praying, they went on about their way. And he got a call from that guy the next day. He said, man, you're not going to believe what happened. Yeah, I will. This situation came through. It didn't look like it was, but late yesterday it came through. Oh, praise God. He didn't say, yeah, because I was praying for you. He didn't even say anything about it. We don't disconnect just because we go to lunch. You listening? Matter of fact, if you're going to lunch somewhere beside your house today, you probably really better be listening to the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your amends about that. So what do we got to be aware of, church? Come on, what do we got to be aware of? We cannot allow our conscience to get seared. How do we do that? What are you giving heat to? Come on, close up shop. I'm out of time. What are we giving heat to? You should ask yourself that question. It's not hard. Look at your life. Well, I'm not giving heed to anything evil. Listen again. Listen, 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 listen. It doesn't even have to have the appearance of evil. 
And it may not even have in the sense evil involved in it like I'm talking about a bad movie or something. But is it keeping you from spiritual things? If it's keeping you from spiritual things, well, I have a question. Who is it that doesn't like doing spiritual things? Worldly people or godly people? Worldly. They don't like doing spiritual things. Who is it that doesn't like going to church? Worldly people or godly people? Why do godly people like going to church, by the way? Because it's got God in it. That's why. Not because it's a religious duty. Who is it that does, does, not, does not like giving to the kingdom of God? Worldly people or godly people? Worldly people don't like giving to the kingdom of God. Godly people do. See, it's not about just a sin or something you're involving yourself with that you know in that sense is wrong. It's the little foxes, the Bible says, that spoil the vine. It's the little things you start giving heed to, wrong influences, reading the wrong things on Facebook. Some of you really need to go look at your social media. I've watched you repost. Some of you need to go look at your social media and look at the stuff you're reading. I don't follow you. I'm not like, what do they call it? Shadowing you? No, I'm not doing that. I don't, I don't go to Facebook and say, let's see what all my church family's doing today. No. Just I'm friends with some of you. Some of you post stuff you ought to know. See, that's why most people probably don't send me a friend's request that are in my church. Ooh, I don't want pastor knowing what I'm posting. I'll get off that. Folks, I'm just trying to help you understand. God wants to do what again? He wants to take you. Come on, help me finish, Kathy. He wants to take you by the hand. Aren't you glad? Oh, aren't you glad? Come on. God wants to take you by the hand. So I want to walk you through today. I want to walk you through today. There's some things that are going to come up. There's some things that are going to happen. And by the way, and then tomorrow, when we turn the corner for tomorrow, you don't know it yet, but there's some decisions you're going to have to make. There's some things you're going to have to know about, and there's some things you're going to have to do. You don't know because you're not into them all. But I'm everywhere. I'm all known. So I already know what's coming tomorrow, and as long as you're continually being sensitive to me today, and you're looking to me for that direction, I want to lead you. I want to guide you. I want to guide you through this, this maze of life down the path that I pre-selected for you. Well, guess, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? It's a narrow path. It's a confined way. This is why a lot of Christians don't like it. Because broad is the gate. Wide is the way that leads even to a destructive life. And, and many go by it, Sadly. Narrow, confined is the way that leads to what? Zoe. Jesus said confined is the way that leads to life. Zoe, the life that God has. It's a narrow, confined pathway. You can't go on this broad, wide spectrum gate, listen to all these influences and all these things and think you're going to be able to hear from me and be led down the way I want you to go. It's a confined pathway that I will lead you down. But I know right where to take you. I know when to tell you to duck your head. I know, when I, t- I know when to tell you to step over that. I know, when I, I know when to tell you to take a left turn. I know when to tell you to take a right. I know when to tell you to stop. Don't go that way. No, 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 no. Come on. We're going to go. Th- I know it looks good. I, I know it. it. It does. It looks great, even from the natural. But I'm telling you, it's not for you. Come on. We're going to go down this way. See, if all you're going to go by is what you think or what you see or what you know, how many things are you going to step into? The devil's not going to stick something up in front of you that just looks horrid, right. destructive. You listening? Yes. 
It's not like going to a haunted house. Hey, come over here. <laughs> we got good stuff for you over here to scare the snot out of you. <laughs> yeah. no, thank you. Well, I like haunted houses. Why? Exactly. Oh, I'm really messing with you. See, Halloween's <laughs> coming up. I don't see anything wrong with a haunted house. What's behind it? What's behind it? What's the purpose? You better sit down. What's the purpose of a haunted house? What's the purpose of a haunted house? Cause fear. Oh, what's behind fear? It ain't God. What are Christians going to haunted houses for? There's demons involved. Oh, here you go, pastor. See, you're just one of these clothes life. We can't have no fun. It's fun to go to a haunted house. And to be scared, that's fun. It's fun for you to be scared. No, see, the devil's indoctrinated you to think that's true. What's happening while I'm involving myself with all those things? You're desensitizing yourself to your spirit, man. It's all a work of Satan. It all seems innocent. You still listening? Man, I got to quit. Uh, I don't have to. I don't want to. <laughs> I'm going to tell you one last thing. Halloween is coming up. What about Halloween? I get this, asked this all the time. Anything wrong with going out and trick-or-treating? What's the root of it? What's behind it? Yeah, but I'm going to take my kids. Think you should be involved in it? My New Testament says that I'm to have nothing to do with the unfruitful works of darkness. Is Halloween a, a celebration of light? Darkness. Darkness. Yeah, but my kids want candy. Go buy them some. <laughs> Go buy them some. You listening? Oh, but they dress up as Christian characters. I don't care. God didn't create Halloween. What's behind? See, this is again where people think somebody like me is just being overreactive. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Go back to the very meat he was talking about. Is the meat the problem? No, it's what's behind it. Is the celebration of Halloween the problem? No. What's the problem? It's what's behind it. What's the motive? What's the whole, whole ultimate goal behind it? It ain't, it ain't light. It's filled with darkness. I went trick-or-treating for years, Pastor. I didn't get no demon. Oh, praise the Lord. But guess what? Others have. Others have. I mean, my day, I remember razor blades and apples. Why would anybody do that on this wonderful celebration of Halloween? <laughs> number one. Number two, on top of that, why in the world would you ever trust today? Come on, man. <laughs> You're going to trust today. Taking your kids to a bunch of people's homes you don't know. Getting a bunch of candy from people you don't know. And you have no idea the motive or intent of the candy is that they're giving to your kid. Well, I look at it all. Oh, what do you put it all under a microscope and examine it and test it for, for foreign substances? You have no idea what's in that stuff. Well, this is why the church should do all. Are you kidding me? What's the heart of Halloween? It's not light. I'm not fellowshipping it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not going to fellowship with demons. We pray.
pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours. Thank you.